Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everyone, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. We have an incredible guest today. Michelle Claire is here. She's a medium. She had three NDEs. There's so much that she has going on. She's going to talk to us in just a second. But first, I need you to do something for me. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil available on the planet Earth. Why is that? Because there's so much CBD out there. There's so many CBD products. It is because the CBD is extracted from the hemp flower using a proprietary method called the HIT extraction method developed by a man named Howard HIT, a.k.a. Big H. It has no chemicals, no solvents, no gases. Nothing unnatural was used to extract that CBD. It's 100% organic and it uses 100% Oregon grown hemp, which is also organic. Actually, everything about it is organic. Like I said, 100%. And there is maximum strength King Cobra, regular strength little King Cobra, and wild thing CBD for pets, people. And we do have a discount code, which gets you free shipping on any order. That discount code is big. H-B-I-G, the letter H, that gets you, again, free shipping on any order in the continental 48 United States, though it is available worldwide in places like Hawaii and the Virgin Islands, anywhere can get it, but of course, check your international laws. I think it's pretty free around the world, but still, there's (laughs) a few countries there you might, might get in trouble, so just check into that. And there is a money back guarantee, of course, if you don't like it, you get to keep the product, keep your money, you get all the money back. It's just an incredible thing. So go there, everyone, check it out, bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And when you're done with that, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow us there. Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us. Get the notifications instantly. When guests come on like Michelle, you know about it. You get it on your phone, your device, whatever you're using, you get that information instantly. And most importantly, of course, tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts. They're your friends, you know them, your family, your coworkers. Tell them, bring them here. Midnightonearth.com. 
Okay, so got that out of the way. And before we talk to Michelle Claire, we're going to read her bio. So here we go. Michelle Claire is a certified medium, angel intuitive, spiritual coach, energetic healer, intuitive life coach, and three-time near-death experience NDE survivor. She receives messages from loved ones who have crossed over, as well as angels and life guides. In a span of 11 years, she had three near-death experiences, with the first being in April 2000, the second being in May 2006, and a monumental, life-changing event in which Michelle suffered a traumatic brain injury happened on November 1st, 2011. Wow. And we're going to hear about all this. Shortly after this life-altering event, she started receiving information for other people from their loved ones who had transitioned. All three NDEs were a reminder of an unconditional love and connection that surpasses our earthly life. During readings, Michelle is divinely guided by the client's spirit team to lovingly empower direct, provide comfort and hope for each individual. She is known for giving factual information, personality traits, characteristics, and validations of signs that loved ones are sending. She helps each person she reads to raise their vibration, clear their energy, and understand that they are not living life alone. Michelle has been featured in Craig McMahon's documentaries, Life to Afterlife, I Die, Now What? and Life to Afterlife, Death and Back, Chapter 3. As a certified evidential medium, Michelle regularly works with the Helping Parents Heal organization and has been a guest on numerous podcasts, including ours. We made the list. Yes. She is also herself currently the co-host for the radio show supernatural girls and we're going to remind you of all this at the end and she's here now michelle thank you so much for joining us today hi jake thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here (laughs) well i want to hear about your story you know our podcast is about getting knowledge out to people these experiences these topics things maybe people don't know a lot about or have not experienced themselves We want to get that information to people. So what you're bringing is amazing. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes. (laughs) And I would agree with you. It is amazing because I actually um, don't really consider myself very different from anyone else. I truly believe that all of us have the ability to be mediums. Um, It's just different levels. And how much do you want to grow it? But it's I apparently my soul chose to grow it the hard way with three near death experiences would have been much easier to um, do it as get a mentor and start working on it. But as that goes with my story, so I would tell you, I kind of started around the age of 12 for me. This was when my grandfather passed away. And what I noticed after he passed away was that we were still communicating. So wait, how were you communicating? Were you, were you hearing his voice audibly or was it like a, a, a feeling of a voice? How would you describe that? 
Yeah, I like the way you said a feeling of a voice. So most of my information comes through feelings. And I describe that as looking at someone that you know really well, and you know exactly what they're going to say before they say it. That's how spirit communicates with me very often. So somewhat telepathic, but also a feeling, but I know it. It's not just a feeling, it's a knowing. So 12 years old, what really activated you? Was there a catalyst or was it just kind of a natural development stage? I think it was very natural. So my grandfather had transitioned and, um, but I wasn't in my mind, I was raised Catholic, but I didn't think that he was, you know, far away. And I'd only see him again if I lived a good (laughs) life or whatever that was. So um, what I found was he and I were still communicating. And so he would give me messages like, tell your mom not to be so hard on your, on herself and, you know, different things like this. And I would share these messages with my mom and my mom would say to me, well, I think that's what you would say. That's what you think grandpa would say if he was still here. Um, so I kind of learned, oh, this communication with grandpa is just kind of between the two of us. Nobody else is really ready to hear it for what it is. And so with that, you know, he and I would have ongoing communication, um, throughout my life after that. And yet I never really thought of it as mediumship. I didn't have the word for that. I didn't know that was a thing. It was just a very natural communication, but I did realize it made my mom a little nervous and uncomfortable. So I quickly realized (laughs) we'll just keep these conversations between grandpa and myself. (laughs) Wow. So it's interesting because some kids based on the paradigms and the programming that they get might write it off as imagination, but you felt the truth of it because it was real you were experiencing it but yet it was beyond your imagination absolutely yes and it was beyond my vocabulary like i said i had never heard the word mediumship i didn't know what that was i just knew we were still communicating wow but you have other gifts as well. This is just the beginning. What, what this else This is just happened? the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So, then, so then my grandma transitioned when I was 21. Same okay. thing happened again. Okay. Grandma and I are still talking. Um, tell my mom about it. And my mom's kind of like, well, I think that's what you think grandma would say if she was still here. And once You're again, like, I was come like, on, mom, I'm 21 now. Like, come yeah. on. She, she's, this is what she's saying. So I didn't, you know, I didn't think too much more about it. And I just decided, okay, this is my personal relationship. So then in April of 2000, this is when I had my first near death experience. And I was actually in the hospital that day because my sister-in-law had just had a baby. So we were at the hospital visiting her. I was in the hallway talking to one of my friends from high school who was her RN. And I actually had a massive seizure. And during that seizure, what I remember is I opened my eyes and I was laying in this room that was all white. The walls were solid and yet they were breathing and moving. It was like they were made out of cells and molecules and each one radiated light and love. And even though they were solid, they were moving and radiating and And I remember just feeling all of this love around me. And I look up and I'm laying on the ground and my head is in my grandma's lap, my grandma who had just recently transitioned before that. Okay. And when I see her, she looks like, you know, the youngest, best version of her that I can remember. And I was just in awe because I had never felt so loved. And I grew up feeling loved, but this is a whole nother level of love. This is that unconditional, you could do no wrong. You are perfect exactly as you are type of love that I was feeling. So as I was looking at my grandma, I looked up next to her 
And I saw this magnificent angel that was about 12 feet tall. She was huge. She was radiating light and love. And I was just really taken by her because it's almost like she drew you in her presence just drew me in. And as I was looking at her, I thought, oh, I want to see her wings. So I went to look for her big feather wings, right? There were no feather wings. Her wings were made of light. And they were kind of like the Aurora Borealis in the sense that they moved and they were iridescent and they were just stunning. And they seemed to span eternity. And as I just sat there in awe of her presence, I thought I was thinking in my head, I thought, I wonder what her, what your name is. And she answered me. She said her name was Madeline and she was one of my guardian angels. Well, I was shocked because I had never heard of telepathy before. And I knew she was answering me in my head and hearing my thoughts because my mouth was not moving and I wasn't vocalizing anything. And so during that time with my grandma and this beautiful angel, I actually had no sense of time. I had no idea if I had been there one second, one day, one year. There was no time. It was absolutely timeless. And I was in no hurry to leave. I was just comfortable. I think I could have laid there forever because it just felt so good. The next thing I know, I hear them yelling, code, code, code. And I am back in my body. And it was so heavy and so dense. So during my seizure, I had quit breathing. And since I was already in the hospital, they called the code team. Um, And it was just unbelievable because I remember feeling almost shoved back into my body. I remember thinking that my arm felt like it weighed 500 pounds. Everything was just so heavy and dense. And I didn't actually know because I had never heard the words near-death experience. I didn't know what had happened. I just knew I had had an experience that was out of this world, but I didn't know that was a thing. Really? So you had no kind of precognition of near-death experiences, nothing in your history, in your past. No. I mean, that's really interesting. So essentially this is your first near-death experience of April in April of 2000. Mm-hmm. And it was a seizure. Now, what was the seizure caused by? So they um, admitted me to the hospital and they never found the reason for the seizure. They put really? me on. Yeah. They monitored my heart. They did the, the oh brain scan, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really strange, but you're in this other dimension. You're in this ethereal dimension. You feel the more real than real feeling the yes. absolute truth. Like you're saying the love, everything's perfect. And then you're stuffed back in your body. What was that like? Did you feel like you wanted to go back that you didn't want to come back to this dimension? Um, I would say there was part of me that longed for that love that I felt when I was there, because what I felt was so whole and so complete and so perfectly loved. It was like everyone knew every flaw and they said, oh, my gosh, that's beautiful and amazing. You know what I mean? It was just and so but one of the gifts of that was I actually was able to come back now with an understanding of love that I had never known in my human form. And that love Uh. exists for each of us whether we're tuned into it or not. Right. That's that divine, infinite love that so many spiritual people talk about, metaphysical people. It's that just pure source. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't have words for it really as humans. We can kind of express it. But when you're there, you really understand it. You kind of crossed a threshold of like thinking about it to actually knowing, like you actually crossed that huge threshold. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the closest thing I can compare it to from my life experience is I have three children. So it is that love of a mother, uh-huh. except take that deepest, most perfect love of a mother and times it by, you know, 10 billion. That's pretty much what we're talking about. <laughs> so, but you had the context of mediumship and, you know, having a spiritual life a little bit before that. So then, right? Ha- right? Yes, but I didn't know the word medium. I didn't know what that meant. I just know I was still in communication with my grandparents. So you never really pursued it. Like you never like kind of dived into the subjects and tried to learn more. You just kind of rolled with it. Like, ah, whatever. Exactly. Well, I think it was great because I was like, oh, there's definitely more. I knew there was more. I felt very much, you know, I was like, oh, everyone really does have angels. Okay. Grandma's really still okay. Like I got a lot of beautiful confirmations out of that, but there was no part of me that thought I need to dive into this. Okay. So then is it take two? I mean, what, where is the next step for progression? Is it the yeah. next near death experience? It is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I do it the hard way. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. So May of 2006, here we go. Let's hear the story. Here we go. Yeah. So at that point in time, I have my oldest daughter who's five, my second daughter who was two and a half. And I had just had my son who was six weeks old Okay. and I had multiple complications after I had my son. So four of the six weeks following his Um, birth, I was in the hospital on IV antibiotics with infections and all of these things. Oh my God. So the doctor said, you know, we've got to do a DNC. So that's basically where they clear out the uterus um, because they weren't sure if there was a piece of placenta still in there or what had happened. Sure. Um, You know, I didn't feel good about that idea, but I was really tired of being sick and in the hospital. And the night before I literally knew I should not do this. There was, it was like every cell in my body was like, don't do this. There's something bad here. Don't do this. But I really wanted to believe what people were telling me. And you know, that's very human of us because we want the quick fix. We want the, Oh, it's a 45 minute outpatient procedure. You're going to be great. Right. We want that. So it's easy to buy into what you want to hear even though everything in my body was telling me not to do this. So the next day I went to the hospital, talked to the doctor again, piece of cake, 45 minutes, you'll be home, no problem. Okay, so I went under. In the operating room, I do remember counting backwards to about five-ish, and I'd had anesthesia before. And whenever I've had it, it's just a blank. I don't have dreams, I don't have memories, it's just nothingness for me. But this time under anesthesia, I'm in the operating room and I'm under at this point. And all of a sudden I look over and I have this beautiful hundred pound white German shepherd who was my soul dog Tahoe, who passed away a couple of years before this. And she used to come in at night when she was in her body and check on me every night when I was sleeping and put her head on my bed and just kind of look at me and she'd make her rounds around the house. Yeah, she's so sweet. So she walks into the operating room, lays her head on my gurney and we're gone. And we are on this phenomenal beach. Um, It is just once again, radiating light and love. Every drop of water, every flower, every molecule of air, every piece of sand radiating light and love and glory and completeness. It was just unbelievable. And I look at her and I can tell once again, we're communicating telepathically. She's happy. I'm there. We're having, and she looks healthy and young and like this beautiful, probably two-year-old, huge, healthy German shepherd. So we are running on this beach, just running. 
And I notice that we keep running and running and I don't get hot and I don't get tired and I don't get thirsty. And I, and I start to notice this and I think, well, this is kind of interesting. Well, here's the funny thing about that. I hate to run. And I will often tell people like, if you see me running, call 911. That's an emergency. <laughs> so here I am in my near-death experience, just running and running on the beach with my dog. And it was so perfect, though. There was no, although I felt like the physical movement of it, there, like I said, I didn't get tired. I didn't get hot. I felt like I was stepping on clouds. The sand was just fluffy and so we were running and running in this near death experience. What I realized is that our soul can be in more than one place at a time, which that thought had never crossed my mind. So as I'm on the beach with my dog, all of a sudden I am pulled to my son who's six weeks old. He's at home with my mom at this point in time. And he's energetically, he's calling to me and he's scared because he knows I'm getting ready to leave. And I remember going to him and I remember saying to him, I, I will find a way to stay. I'm not going to leave you. And so then I start to pray and I start to say, it's not my time. My kids still need me. I need to find a way to stay. And at that point in time, I'm back in the operating room. I see it light up with this beautiful golden white light. I can feel Jesus in the room. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up in post-op and my 45-minute procedure turned into a three-and-a-half-hour emergency surgery because they ruptured my uterus oh. in two places and missed my aorta by less than a millimeter. They couldn't even stitch it. It was so close. Oh, my God. That sounds horrifying. It was. It was. And that also took another four months of recovery after that just to get back to 80% because it was not... Yeah, it was really horrible. The infection then was spread into my body. So I started running a fever. It was just really, yeah. So during this though. <laughs> but you had that experience. I mean, it's, there is, I guess, some, you know, good line lining, I guess, in the cloud. That's, yeah. it's a lot to process visually when you you think you're like, oh, I'm going in for this routine surgery or even just kind of maybe not routine, but definitely done yeah. a lot. And then. It turns into that, which is horrifying, man. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's quite the mental picture. I'm sorry. I uh, know. I know. No, it was horrifying. <laughs> it was horrifying. Um, I think some of the lessons I learned from that one, though, were, were really important that our soul can be in more than one place at a time. And so yes. as a medium, I often tell people that, yes, your loved one is safe and home and in this heavenly realm, but they're also right here with you. Our soul, when it is no longer attached to a body, it can be in multiple places. And so that's very often when you see families, sometimes you'll see people and they'll all say like, I had a dream my dad last night and he was in this yellow shirt and his khaki pants. I had the same dream. I had the same dream. Yes, because dad can be in more than one place than one time. Yes. I was actually just thinking about this this morning, uh, that our souls are omnipresent after we leave this dimension because we're outside of space and time. So we can be anywhere in multiple places, like you're saying. Yes, absolutely. And so that was just a really a big eye opener for me. The other thing I loved was I got to see my beautiful dog. So for all those yes. people that think your dogs don't go to heaven, yes, all animals go to heaven. Yay. Um, you know, so that That's was great beautiful. News. And the other thing too was what I found was that I felt like my soul was able to usher in a miracle. And my soul is not different than anyone else's. And I want you to know if my soul can do it, yours can too. 
one of the huge things I learned from being raised Catholic, I always felt like Jesus was kind of above me. When Jesus came in to help me in that operating room, he came in as my best friend. He came in right beside me. There was no part of me that felt like he was so much higher than me. He was kind of like, hey, I'm your friend. Let me help you out. Like a a resonant energy, you would say. You were just in, in synthesis. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and working, working together. And there wasn't like, okay, bow down to me, pray to me for 10 minutes, and then I'll see what I can do. It right. wasn't like that at all. It was like, let me help you out. Here I am. Wow. That's really powerful. But I mean, it just kind of implies that, you know, there is this higher consciousness that's there, these avatars, these ascended masters, but they're human or they're in a way spiritually equal to us, but maybe in a different position. Absolutely. Yes, there was no part of me that felt like he came in above me. And one thing I know now as a medium, too, is that spirit will present itself to us in the ways that we are comfortable to receive it. So Jesus coming in to the operating room for me looked basically like the Jesus we see here on Earth, right? But I would say if I was on another planet and I, and I think of Jesus as an alien, he would have come in looking like that. So spirit will approach us in the ways that we know them and are open to receiving them. Wow. That's okay. But in your story, though, you're still not out there in the public teaching people yet. No, after, heck no. no okay. Because we still need near-death experience number three. Right. Two's not enough. <laughs> two's not enough. So, yeah. So, after near-death experience number two, I basically go back to being mom. Okay. I've got three little kids try, trying to get healthy again and recover, and, and it kind of goes off my radar. Now, once again, I do want to say I have a stronger sense of knowing about we're not living this life alone. Our loved ones are here. We do have help from the other side, whether that's Jesus or whoever you connect with. So, there was a, an expansion, but I paid no attention to to it. I got right back into my human role. Okay. And so after that, then on 11, 1, 11, so for people who like numbers, 11, 1, 11, there's a lot of ones in that. I um, had my third near death experience. And, and this one was really brutal, right? This, this was like, the, was rough. is yeah. this the worst of the three you would say? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Let's hear about it. Yeah. So with that one, so my kids were five, eight, and 10 at the time. So they were a little bit older. And my oldest was at school and my two younger ones were at home. And what I have is 14 foot ceilings in my house. So up nice, you know, 12 feet up. I have these little candles. You replace the battery every night. They turn on and glow by themselves. And, you know, and so it just adds a nice little um atmosphere to the house. So sure, anyway, sure. I said to the younger two, I said, as soon as I get done replacing the batteries in this candle, we're going to leave to get your sister. So I climb up the ladder and I get to the top. I'm about to put the candle back and I feel the ladder start to shift. <gasps> and all I could think is this is going to hurt. <sighs> and as soon as I got done thinking that I literally was ripped out of my body, not in a painful way, in a fast way, like think bungee cord, like, whoa, like sucked out. So this is before you, is it, was this to avoid what was going to happen? Yeah. Well, okay. yes, part of it. So I'm ripped out of my body. I'm turned around facing it now. So I see my body in the ladder suspended in air and I'm standing with three people that I don't know, two males and a female, okay. but yet I feel like they're family. I feel like I've known them forever, but I don't recognize them, but they're really nice. And again, I'm in this timeless space. And they looked at me and they said, well, what would you like to do? Do you want to stay or do you want to go? And 
I was really puzzled because I thought, well, my body is going to hit the floor in a second or less, but I had forever to decide. They were not rushing me at all. And so I was trying to connect those dots, which are very hard to connect. How do I not have to worry about time anymore when clearly my body is going to hit the ground? And as I was standing there with them, I, I have no idea how long I was there with them, but it felt like a while. It didn't feel like one second. And I could see my body in the ladder. And as I was looking at them, I saw this beautiful angel come in, different from my first near-death experience, dressed in red and gold. And when I saw this angel come in, I knew this angel was there to either take me home or make something happen so that I could stay. There was no question in my mind, like, this angel is my transportation out. <laughs> We're going to rig something to make it work so that I could stay. Wow. So as I was sitting there, I was really just kind of in awe. Once again, timelessness, <laughs> total love, total compassion. Nobody cared if I stayed or go. It, went, it was like, what do you want to do? Really just very basic. And so as I was looking and trying to decide, all of a sudden I saw my younger two kids in the house. And as soon as I saw them, I knew I had to stay. And as soon as I made that decision, and that was not a decision that I vocally made, that was like just a knowing, oh, I've got to do this. As soon as that happened, I was downloaded with a ton of information. And it was like, okay, Michelle, I still don't believe I remember all of it to this day. It still seems to trickle in, like I'll get a memory or a flashback of something I was told. But I was told um, that was okay, you can stay, but you've got to go back and use your gifts. You can't go back and just be mom. Mom's great, but that's not your only purpose in life. Like we need more from you. And yes, you're not going to be the only medium, but you're going to be the one who does it in your way that can help people and reach them in the way that they need. And, and so it, it just became clear. What I have found out too um, more recently was I was actually told in that near-death experience that at that point in time, there was a good chance I would end up um, losing my marriage over it, over the person that I would come back as. And so I'm actually currently going through a divorce after 25 years. And what I have found is 80% of people who have near-death experiences usually end in divorce because you can't come back to the same person. Well, I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that, um, but it sounds like it's amicable. It sounds like it's just part of your growth process, really. It's a frequency shift, especially yeah. when you get assigned a mission. Mm -hmm. um, people that have similar experiences to yourself talk about this. Like they are not the same person. How could you possibly be? Because you're now integrating that new information. And where's that information coming from? It's coming directly from source. It's coming directly from these higher right. dimensions. So then you're now this higher frequency person. And when you have these relationships and it's not everybody, the purpose of a relationship or part of it is the matching of the frequencies. And if the frequencies don't match, you know, like that's, exactly. you, you can't change, you can't change what happened. You can't undo what's already been done to you and what you've experienced and you love and appreciate what you experienced. So you don't want it undone. So I, I, I can understand why it's that way. It is right. still kind of sad, but it is, it, you know, but it is part of life and it yes. is part of growing. And, and I truly felt like in that near-death experience, I was told this is expected of you now. Okay, you can go back, but now this. Right. And, um, and, and I obviously was willing to do that to be able to come back and raise 
my kids. And so, and for more than that, for myself, for my own soul growth, for the people that I can, you know, help see that they are still connected to their loved ones in spirit. So basically what happens is I fall off the ladder. I hit the back of my head on the corner of my granite kitchen island. I have a five and a half inch skull fracture, a brain bleed. I lose my taste, my smell, part of my hearing, part of my oh vision. My God. Yeah. But guess what? I missed my brainstem by half an inch. And oh. that was the difference of me living. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, yeah. you know, for allowing Michelle to live. But my, <laughs> that's just like, it's like you're saying a millimeter here, an inch there. There's just like all of these very, very close situations. Yes, exactly. And oh. so... God. I know it was insane. So obviously massive bodily trauma that I had to um, work through. And so then what happens after that? So, I, you know, obviously I'm in the hospital for a while. I've got all sorts of stuff going on. <clears throat> um, but this was November 1st, 2011. And then we get through Christmas. And then after Christmas, the kids are kind of like, okay, you know, we think mom's pretty normal. She'll be fine. So my son, who was five at the time, he started getting depressed because he had tried to call 911 and his call didn't go through. And we, and we thought, well, maybe he just dialed 991. I mean, he was five, right? It was sure. traumatic. And my daughter, who was eight, called and her call had gone through. And so he would start telling me, my mom, my mother-in-law, whoever would listen at the time, he would say, I didn't need to be there. I didn't do anything to help my mom. So he could have done it without me. And we would say, Josh, you opened the door for the policeman. Like that was big. You helped him get in, you know, and there was nothing that we could say. So the end of January, 2012, my grandfather who passed away when I was 12 came through to me, he actually manifested to me. He's the only spirit I've actually seen manifest in human form. And I was in my kitchen and he came through and, he, and the first thing I said to him was, I haven't seen you in so long. And he said, well, I knew you would think that. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, oh my gosh. So you're visually, it wasn't like, a, a, like there wasn't like an opacity thing where you could see through it. Like it wasn't translucent. It was like a fully formed person. Like, yeah. Where he's right but there. I, yes. I didn't hug him or touch him. So I don't know if he was, if he would have felt solid, but sure. I couldn't see through him. He looked uh. solid. And so he started talking to me about my head injury, my accident. And he, then he started talking to me about, about my son. And he said, you know, he's so good with electronics. And, and I, we were just kind of laughing and talking. And, and then he said to me, you need to get the 911 recording. There's something on there you should know. And I was like, oh, okay. And then our visit ended. <laughs> So I didn't even know I could get the 911 recording. I had no idea you could do that. So I went down, I ordered it. A couple of weeks later, it came in and I put it in the CD player and played it. And they say, 911, what's your emergency? And in his little broken voice, I hear Josh say, Sophie, what do I say? And then he laid the phone down. His call had gone through, but he called like right in the moment of trauma and had forgotten that he called. So for a minute and a half, you can hear 911 saying, can you hear us? What's happening? What's the emergency? And then he says, I'm going to go push the panic alarm button on the house. And my daughter says, hold on, let me try calling 911. She hangs up the phone. Her call goes through and they actually even connect her with the firemen, the dispatchers that were on the way to the house. So both of their calls went through. Ah. And when he, when he came home from kindergarten that day, I said, Josh, they said, your call went through. I said, help was coming. 
And it was like I lifted a 10,000 pound weight off this little boy because his sense of self-worth, his sense of I did something that helps you, it, you could literally see it coming flowing back in. Had my grandfather who passed away when I was 12 not come through and given me that message, I wouldn't have been able to help my son in that way. Wow. Wow. What a story. You know, it's really powerful because it was emotional a little bit because you feel so mm -hmm. bad for your son, but you know, cause he was, he was dealing with that emotional weight, but it's just so powerful because you know, these ancestors, these loved ones are just out there. Angels, you know, these other life guides, they're out there watching us. They want to help us and, and we can develop ways to tune in, but okay. So after near death experience, number three, this is when you got assigned a mission. They, yes, they asked, I finally they, accepted the mission. They actually <laughs> asked you specifically that, and, and you didn't, you know, you didn't turn it down. You didn't say no, but you went for it. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, you know, so then like any good mom, my next stop was going to be the, the psychologist because I was telling her I'm seeing dead people. I think there's something wrong. <laughs> and oh so, so luckily as spirit would have it, they led me to the right person who said, Michelle, this is a gift. This is amazing. When I told her about what happened with my grandfather, she said, think how many people you can help think of. And so what she did was she actually connected me with a couple mediums that she had seen and said, you need a mentor. You need someone who can help you to hone this in and train it. Wow. So then I started. So then I got a mentor. And so I worked with a mentor for five years. Really? So this is it. So you work with the mentor and who was your mentor? Jamie Clark. Okay. Jamie Clark, five yeah. years of training yes. before yes. you went out into the public as a teacher and as a public medium. Correct. Yes. Because at that point in time, I didn't realize how much control I had over it. I thought that it just happened to me. Like when spirit wanted to give me the information, it would happen. I didn't realize that we actually all can reach out and access the information and we can, you know, call in things. And sure. so, um, so yeah, there was just a lot of training and honing and understanding too, because every medium works differently. Um, so the way that I communicate with spirit or the signs and symbols or words they might use with me would probably look very different than the medium standing right next to me, because we all have our own language with spirit. So you feel like it, it, it's a personal experience. You can develop a personal language to communicate with spirit and it could be different for each medium for each psychic absolutely yes what means one thing to me might not mean something to someone else so a lot of times let's say i find somebody who's transitioned by um drug overdose intentional spirit will show me um a bottle of pills like a prescription bottle so that's my sign oh okay this was an intentional passing um and this is how it happened so yeah but that might look different for someone else they might get their signs and symbols and words and messages in different ways interesting well look i have to ask you this question after three near-death experiences are you good is it good are you good at this point you don't need a number four right you're good right you i got say the message? next time is my last time number four i'm out okay good i'm just glad you got the message no more traumas please exactly okay thank you um so okay now you're out there teaching what are some of the profound experiences you've had what are some of the situations that you've encountered as you're doing mediumship 
Yeah. I mean, well, I love what I do, number one, because it's never the same. I never know who's coming for a reading. I never know what spirit or their loved ones are going to tell them. Um, so I love that part about what I do, because what I find is I try not to have any judgment about what this person needs. I don't know. I'm human, Michelle, but their spirit team, their angels, their loved ones, their life guides, they know what this person needs. So what I will do is I just open up I talk about it as a radio or frequency. So I, so this is what I would say about mediumship. At least for me, this is how it works. I can hone in. So if you said, hey, we got to talk to mom, I can go to channel 103, right? We can do a direct connect or we can go, we want to talk psychic about work. Okay, we're going to go to channel 108. So we can kind of guide and direct it. Um, it's something that we can target to some extent. But if someone comes to me and says, I don't know. Just tell me what you have for me. That works too, because then I just open up and I say, okay, let's see spirit. Where do we need to go? Very often, one of their loved ones will come in to guide the reading. And then normally some of all of the information about like what's going on in there now, the past, the future, a lot of that will come in. Um, and so it's really amazing. Some of the great connections I've had, I worked with one lady, I was reading for her. Mother Teresa came in Whoa. and I was just like, well, guess what? This lady was actually worked in Calcutta with Mother Teresa oh for a few God. years. And now she's an RN back here in the States. But she personally knew her. And what was phenomenal about that message was it was for this client, but it was literally for every soul on earth. And this woman had, you know, quite a few kids working as a nurse, giving, giving, giving of herself to everyone. And Mother Teresa came in and said, I never lost myself to the act of service. If I had, I wouldn't have been able to help all the people that I helped. Wow. That must've been really intense. Actually. It was intense. It was amazing. It was one of those moments where I was just like, Oh wow, this is so good. I want more of this. Yeah. <laughs> because when you think about that, right. And in, in the Catholic religion, she's a saint now. Yes. Um, and so, so here we go again, the energy, Mother Teresa, Jesus, they don't come in above us. They come in next to us and say, let me help you. Let me guide you. How can I be your friend in this? Right. And they don't come through a religious filter. Even they just show up as oh. this archetypal universal energy for everyone. Absolutely. And I love that you said that the universal filter. So my mom was very, um, I was raised Catholic. My mom was very devout in her faith. My mom ended up transitioning from breast cancer, but a oh. few months before that, I thought I was going to share some good news with her. And I said, mom, I've got good news. No one has ever come through and said, I just got out of purgatory, contact my family. Like, <laughs> I thought I was like giving her the get out of jail free card, right? Sure, oh sure. God. She totally glared at me. She was not having it. She was intent that there's a purgatory. So I was just like, okay, you know, but it's interesting because yeah, I don't find, I will be really honest. Spirit never comes through and says, I was Catholic in this life. I was Baptist. I was Buddhist. I was this. Once you get to the soul level, it doesn't matter what road you took to get to God or to find God or to know God. It's just like, oh, here I am. And it's such a higher frequency in those dimensions that a lot of what we perceive as humans as our earth-based societies, religions, situations, it, it just doesn't even function in that dimension. And so, you know, it's just part of our school here, but can we help people understand what the difference is between a spirit team, angels, and life guides? Yeah. So a spirit team actually 
So each of us come into this life with a spirit team. So what I would say is before we come in, I do believe in pre-life planning, which is done on a soul level. So our souls are in heaven and we, and we decide what, what lessons do we want to learn? Who do we want to come into contact with? What is our mission? What is our, some of our purposes, right? And we always have multiple missions, multiple purposes. There's never just one thing. <laughs> um, and then what we will do is we will connect with spirit guides. So to me, spirit guides present themselves as as human but extremely um wise i mean many many eons of wisdom and life experience so the the spirit guides or the life guides i use that word in interchangeably okay. they really come in to help our soul stay on track so you know we might miss this opportunity oh we get it again four months later we miss it again oh there it is again so they're kind of trying to keep us on track to follow our soul's mission or our soul's plan what we want to learn the angels come in. We have angels assigned to us. They come in to really guide, protect, and love us through it. So their job isn't necessarily to keep us on track like a life guides would be. Their job is to love and protect us and keep us as safe as we can to achieve our soul's mission. And then the other part of the spirit team would be our loved ones in spirit who have already transitioned. They don't usually step on as a life guide because that's like a different level or a different role. But absolutely, my grandpa is right here on my team trying to keep me on track and help me every chance he gets. Wow. So really, and this is for every human, right? Every yes. person has these guides, these ancestors, even if they're orphans, they don't, they're not connected right. to their family. It doesn't matter. The energetic family is there and they're all helping each person go about their path. Absolutely. And, you know, I love that you brought that up because a lot of times, especially during COVID, I had a lot of people who would come to me and say, oh, my loved one died alone in the hospital. You know what? No one dies alone. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert. No one dies alone. You are always surrounded by your spirit team, your loved ones, your angels, your life guides. It doesn't matter what it looks like, the side of the veil. The soul is always loved, cushioned, and protected on its journey. Wow. That's such a powerful statement. It's such a powerful thought because it just means that we have the resources to achieve anything that we put our minds to anything that we want. As long as it's aligned with love and, you know, positivity, we can achieve it. We have support in multiple dimensions. Absolutely. In many, many dimensions. And in one of the things that I've noticed afterwards, um, a lot of times humans call them miracles. And so I've asked spirit about that. Like, Oh, what does it take to get a miracle? Everybody wants a miracle, right? <laughs> How do you get miracles? And spirit says, Michelle, we don't call them miracles. We call them happenings. When you get an alignment, body, mind, and spirit, things happen. It's not a miracle. It's a happening. Right. It's like spiritual science. You could say. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we call them miracles and spirits like get an alignment. Yeah. Wow. See what happens. So, so then what are your thoughts on reincarnation? Do, do people have ancestor pools that follow them from lifetime to lifetime? And I know you were talking about like a soul group that you choose who you have these situations with, but well, how does reincarnation come into play? Yeah, I, I do believe in that. I do not think anybody is ever forced to reincarnate. This is what I think. In the span of eternity, 
um, and your lifetime is maybe a hundred years. That's less than the blink of an eye. So we want to grow. We want to learn. I mean, really doing nothing for eternity would get kind of boring. Um, you know, and so what happens is we are assigned what I would call soul families. Now there's different data on how many souls are in that group. Some say a hundred, some say 500, but it's basically a smaller net group that we are part of. And what we find with those soul families is that these these souls regularly incarnate in groups together, mother, son, father, wife, whatever. We play different roles in each other's lives. But on a soul level, we work together well. And the goal is always growth and evolution for all. And as we're growing and evolving as a soul, our whole soul family is raising and growing and evolving together. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So there is kind of this conjoined destiny with these souls that we've chosen to align with through probably millennia. Absolutely. And then with, with saying that sometimes, um, you know, a soul will go outside of its soul family and join with a different group to help them evolve in some way, shape or form. And, um, often in, in our human life, we might call that person, the black sheep of the family. Cause like, <laughs> they just, they don't fit in. They don't do what everyone else does. Right. Well, um, there's a good chance it could be an older soul helping that group to evolve and grow to the next level because now they're learning unconditional love. They're learning whatever these things are they're learning, they're doing it. And so it's not Ah. always someone from your soul family that you actually truly love on a soul level might appear to be your worst enemy in this human life. They're not. Your soul still loves them. They're just here to help you grow. Wow. Yes. They're playing their role, right? They're just playing the part that they were assigned. Yes. And I love that because my son and I, when I was explaining this to him when he was younger, I was explaining it to him as like video games. So think of your soul. It's sitting in the air conditioned room with its soda, its bag of chips, its Wii remote on the couch. Everything's perfect, right? But you go through and you pick your character and you say, I want this character. I want this weapon. I want this level of intelligence. And you get all of your teams together. And then he would be in our house alone, somehow still playing with 10 kids around the world, the same game, right? And so as that would happen, you know, one would be yelling, watch out for the sniper. And he's like, you know, firing or whatever (laughs) it was he had to do, right? This is how our soul family works. But at the end of the day, when his character died in the game, he was just kind of like, okay. And he got up and shook it off. This is how our soul functions. Our soul doesn't perceive death as death. It was like, hey, high five, good video game, maybe next time. Right. And There is an extraterrestrial component to this, right? Pleiadians, there's so much life out in the universe. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, oh, I 100% believe in extraterrestrials, many, many different forms, probably many that we have no idea about yet. Yes, because the universe is life. God source, the divine is life. And so the idea that in something so expansive, um, humans could be the top of the food chain. That's not what I find. What I actually find is probably compared to most of the ETs out there, we are the cavemen of the universe. <laughs> they are looking at us thinking you guys are barbaric and uneducated. And, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. and, and so, yes, life, life exists in so many ways that our human mind can't even, con, you know, conceive or wrap around it right now. But we by no means are alone in this universe. And that's just talking about the universe. That's not talking about multiple universes. That's not talking about interdimensionals. I mean, there is life all around us right now in ways that we're not turning into tuning into. So think of ourselves as 
a radio, right? The AM station, the FM station, it's all playing right now. We're just not tuned in and listening to it. But the minute we turn that station on, boom, there it is. So we're just not receiving the information of what is always playing around us. But we can with awareness expansion, right? With the trainings that you're talking about and the various ways of just expanding what we can perceive, that's when that new information comes in. Absolutely. Here's the catch to that. The hardest thing to expand is your mind. And you've got to expand that so that you can expand everything else. Right. So people will find what they're looking for. Have you ever tried Google? You'll find what you're looking for. Right? <laughs> it doesn't matter what you want to believe. You'll find it. So people will find what they're looking for. So it's very hard with somebody who has a very closed mind or limited belief system to expand to say, oh, my gosh, I'm tapping into the energy of ETs or interdimensional beings or angels or grandma on the other side because they're, they're keeping their mind closed. But the moment that we're ready to grow and open and expand our mind, those frequencies will start popping up on our radar and it makes it easier for us to tune into them and then you would say that that's part of our evolutionary process as humans right like that's all of that awareness is coming whether we have trainings early on and, and get conscious and aware of this as individuals as a species as humanity this is what's in our destiny you would say it is and it's where we came from and it's where we will return to ah Okay. And so one of the things about that, it's really just about tuning into your soul. It's like if you and I only listen to the FM 101 station for our whole life and never tried another channel. Okay. But when we die, all the channels will be playing. So, you know, it's, it is, it's interesting. And I like to t- say this about the oneness, because a lot of people will come to me like, we've got to get back to the oneness. What about the oneness? you know what? The oneness is important. We came from it and we will return to it, but don't underestimate the value of feeling like an individual because you left the oneness to come here to be individual for a reason. Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, don't hate on it. People get, you know, it's just the ego thing and the greed. There's all the, you know, that lower frequency, lower bandwidth behavior that people just aren't in tune with when they get spiritual, they want to go higher and higher, but we can embody that. We can be as humans and tell me if you agree with this, we can be almost like angels ourselves. Oh, if, absolutely. If we develop ourselves, I mean, I, I'm not there. <laughs> right. Well, and here's one of the things, I, me neither. Here's one of the things I learned from my third near death experience. So before that, I would always wonder like, why does my sister date these guys? Why does it like, why does she get the same guy in a different body every time? Right. And then what I noticed after my third near death experience was I came back and I said, oh, what does her soul want to learn? Really? That's a whole different way of looking at that right? Obviously, there's a lesson there that our soul is wanting to learn. It's not actually about me judging if they're a good guy, a bad guy, right, wrong, whatever. Her soul, who am I to judge the course of life that her soul came here to take? Right. So she's repeating that behavior, finding similar frequency men, because that's the lesson she needs to learn from a person that shows up as that frequency of person and yeah wow that's and then when she's done with that that person will no longer show up it will be the next level or the next you know what i mean so i think what it's really done for me is it's taken away 
the judgment. Now, obviously, people have free will and horrible things happen on planet Earth. I am not trying to oh. say that's not, but it, it's, it's real. Okay. It sucks but, actually as spiritual people because you're sensitive to it and you just want to heal everyone. It's just, it's just hard, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what I would say about that is <clears throat> most people I think are good people. Doesn't mean they're like me. They might be very different from me. It doesn't make them a bad person, right? I mean, really, most people come here with good intentions. And so I think when we can stop being so judgy and just start looking at people more from that soul level and just say, huh, I wonder what their soul came here to learn. I think that's actually where you'll see us start to bring in peace more. And the number one thing spirit told me is like, there can be peace on earth, but it has to start in each individual. If I don't have peace within myself about where I am in life and who I am and what I'm doing, I can't bring peace in for anyone else. So peace on earth is possible, but it has to start on an individual frequency level to be able to raise the earth plane vibration to peace. Yes, we often talk about this on our podcast is that to get to that new earth, that wonderful heaven on earth scenario, it's all about personal development. It's all about raising your own frequency, you know, doing what you can with your habits, your behaviors to get to the place where, like you're saying, you're content, you're happy, you're radiating the frequency of the new earth. That's kind of what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by each soul anchoring their own light in and being able to do that, that's how we lift other people up. So especially women get caught in this idea, um, at least here in America, that we are here to serve. We are here to take care of the kids, the husband, we're nurses, we're whatever, we're taking care of everyone. Okay. Yes. But this is what spirit says on that. Number one, you came here to serve your own soul first. And by serving your own soul and your life's purpose and your life's mission, that's how you serve others. It will naturally happen. So when people forget who they are and forget to put themselves first, and I mean this like in a general way, obviously I'm not talking about like knocking the old lady out of line in front of you or whatever, you know what I mean? Yes, but I just yes. mean like by serving your own soul first, what makes you happy? Who did you come here to be? How do you be productive in this world? That's actually how you serve everyone around you by serving yourself first. Yes, and you can't take care of anyone else if you're you're not no. taken care of right, right. Like, and like, you can't heal anyone and you can't change anyone so but by anchoring in your light by serving yourself by being who you came to be that's actually how we help lift everyone up with that vibrational frequency that goes out around us and with the inspiration how many people do you see in your life and you're like oh my gosh that person's inspiring oh my gosh look at this and we find out all whatever you know different things that people do those people by serving their soul they're lifting the vibration of humanity because they inspire us to be better yes. not because elon musk or whoever came to my door and said, Hey, Michelle, this is what we need to do. No, it's just because I'm like, Oh my gosh, he can get you to outer space or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you're resonating with. Inspiration is how you raise the vibration. Yes. And uh, we just recently learned from Neville Goddard. We sometimes have uh, lecture episodes where we, where we listen to rare lectures and that, that inspiration, that imagination is the Christ consciousness itself, it is. which is a whole other can of worms. Yes. Yeah. And it lives in all of us. Yes. Yes. We have, that's the human. I mean, that's our divine human interface point, I believe. 
Yeah, I really do think so. And I think if we started all thinking of ourselves as um, radios or satellite dishes and the frequencies and signals that we're putting out, taking in and tuning into, that is actually much more appropriate than just like a little human. Because that's <laughs> that's not really who we are. We're truly a soul having that human experience. But all of this is available to us. It's just what frequency do you want to tune into? Right. That's such a beautiful statement. I personally would like to tune into the highest frequency. But speaking of tuning in, have you done any readings? I know you do individual readings, but have you done any readings on humanity itself? Uh, what it looks like in the next five to 10 years or just any kind of the world situations that are going on? Yeah. You know, I have looked into that. So I'll be really honest. I'm always going to be a hope dies last type person. It's just the way God made me. Can't change it. Um, I, I, I do not look at this world. I think, yeah, there's a lot of things that need to be shifted and changed and things that aren't, you know, great right now, but I absolutely believe we are stepping into that higher consciousness and we will. And we will. I have no reason to think that we won't, especially when I look at every person and I see a spirit team of beings around them to help them get there. Who am I to think that we're all going to fail? I don't. I think we will succeed. I think right now is the time that we are in the planet. There's a consciousness tipping point. So there were a lot of people that tried to be middle of the road, and now they're getting pushed one way or the other. But one of the gifts of COVID was, guess what? Well, a couple of things here. There were many gifts from COVID. One, people got sent home. They had to go sit home and figure out who they were for a while. Yeah. <laughs> they had more time to themselves. They had more time to think about what was serving them in their life or who was or who wasn't, right? People had an, an opportunity to actually connect with their soul. For the first time, and I don't know how long, people were no longer allowed to go to church. You had to make your own connection with spirit. Yeah. Wow. I that's Go huge. figure. That was scary for a lot of people. What do you mean? No one's going to tell me how to find God. No, nope, you're going <laughs> to do it on your own. Um, so there were many, many gifts that happened that were a reset that are actually in the long run, taking us to the next higher level of consciousness and enlightenment. So yes, when I, when I tap into the energy of what's going on right now, it reminds me of going to a picnic. You know, how you'd shake your blanket off, get all the grass and dirt off it before you fold it up. We are in that shaking off stage. We are like, oh, this doesn't work anymore. This needs to work now. You know, there have been ideas that had held tight for so long that people are like, wait, that doesn't work. People are being asked to start thinking for themselves and making their own connection. That's how we get to the level of enlightenment and consciousness. So beautiful. What you're saying is just amazing and because it's so true. But what about these people, though, that are just like caught in negativity? They could be even leading industry or governments around the world. They are humans. They have a soul group and as spirit guides and angels. Like what happened to these people, in your opinion, like that they're so disconnected from that, that they can make these choices that are malicious, that are terrible. And, you know, how what's happening there? Right. Well, we have free will, so we can never take out the free will from the equation. As humans, we have that. So we have those choices. But let me just tell you something. If someone makes a decision, one person makes one decision, and it causes 200 people to make a higher decision next time, can we say that that one person was bad? They actually might have come and played the role perfectly to raise the consciousness because other people who would have been 
kind of, you know, neutral on something have now chosen to step into something stronger that's actually for the higher good. So there's a couple of things. There's free will at play, but there's also this part where you, what does humanity usually need to bring together? Something negative, unfortunately, but that's how humans choose to learn, right? I mean, I'm sorry, but it's true, right? <laughs> Think about sucks. just like 9-11. I remember after 9-11, like people I didn't even know in my neighborhood, all of a sudden we were always like, hi and friendly. And like it brought humanity together. Right, I do remember United that. States, right? And so tragedies or people that we would consider evil or bad or perpetrators are actually often the ones that bring the consciousness together. But these people, though, even individually, I mean, they have these angels, they have these guides. You're saying they're playing their role, but is it possible that some of these people may have a different path and they're just somehow cut off? Yes, that's possible. We can cut ourselves off. We can unplug that radio and cut ourselves off from frequency. Really? Yeah. You can't cut yourself off from the divine. The spark of God will always live in you. That's why your soul's here and, and functioning right now. But you can turn the volume down so low and, and shut all the blinds and block out the light enough that you do get lost on your journey. It doesn't mean your life guides or angels, your loved ones have given up on you and aren't still trying to give you options and opportunities and ways to find your way back. But people have cut themselves off. And I would say, as a medium, I see that very often with people who transition from suicide. Ah. So so somebody who chooses to transition that way has, for whatever reason, somehow felt cut off or else they wouldn't have chosen that way to leave this world. So, and also think about this. How many people do you run into every day that are literally just on autopilot functioning in life? They're surviving it. They're not living it. Maybe they go to church every Sunday. They don't feel connected to God. So, so what they're doing isn't working. So they have cut themselves off in some way. Does that make sense? So you yes. can't completely cut yourself off, but you can certainly turn the volume down so much that you don't know it's playing anymore. Yes. And I think what you're saying is a lot of people that are just kind of on autopilot, they're just drones. Maybe they, they're moderately successful. They have a house, a life, a job, but they're still cutting off that information that's coming from those places because that information is saying, grow, progress, learn more. And they're just not because they've hit that plateau. Now here's where the conspiracy theorist aspect of me kicks in. Yeah. Are there forces that are trying to block that those signals and that information from coming in via toxic food, other factors in the environment? What do you think about that? I would say yes. Tell I me do more. think there are. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, I do unfortunately believe in conspiracy theories. So I wish I didn't. It would make life more simple. Yeah. But there will always be um, there will always be groups of people that have agendas. Ah. So whether that's by putting pesticide on our food and dumbing down our brains or causing cancer, or whether that is doing behind the scenes things that America has no idea exists or the world doesn't know exist. Absolutely. There will always be those um those energies out there a lower frequency or something that kind of helps to dumb us down or block it out yeah because it's essentially like a bandwidth and it's keeping us in a lower bandwidth so that higher information it's trying it's harder to come in. yeah to, but it's harder it's harder to receive it and and so and that would also come from the souls that want that are in body that want power and control 
right? Because how do you get power and control? You keep everyone in fear and you keep them dumb and you keep them dependent. So here's part of the thing that sometimes I do believe all religions have beautiful things in them, but a lot of religions were built on control and fear. There's one way to God, follow me, give me all your money. I'll let you know if you're going to heaven or hell. You know what I mean? So there was control and fear to a certain extent in a lot of um, religions. There's control and there's fear in the government, right? Follow us. We'll give you the vaccine. We'll give give you um, money to live on. We'll do this. But if you go outside, you could die. Just so you know, you might die. You might get COVID and die. (laughs) I'm not saying that COVID didn't happen. It's real. I had clients who lost people, but control and fear are always the two things that the lower, darker forces will use to keep humanity dumbed down. Because fear itself, if you think of it as just an energetic force, it exists in that lower bandwidth, right? So you keep people, that's how you keep people there. Right. And then the, what happens is the collective consciousness is feeding into it, which makes it stronger. Yes. But then something else is feeding off of it, you would say, because we have these immense powers. I mean, you think about this spark of divinity. I mean, we literally have God within uh, each individual yes. person, the immeasurable power. If people are subjugated in the way that we are talking about, it almost implies that there's something feeding off of it. I would say so, but I would say people have willingly given away their power for eons. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you look at the first set of codified laws, which is the code of Hammurabi, I mean, it's insane. I mean, you give people just a couple notches above pure chaos and they'll sign over everything. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, so this is really where we come back to. It's on an individual level that we bring in peace, that we bring in enlightenment, that we bring in the oneness or whatever that next level is for planet Earth, because I really can't go petition Washington and get anything changed, but I can anchor in my own light and I can anchor it in really strong. And by me doing that, it will radiate out and help others to do that. So it's that collective consciousness that will raise us to the next level. And it is happening. Uh, You're not the only one that's saying it. So many people are saying it because it just seems like the natural progression of infinite love. If everything's made out of infinite love, which it is, Mm -hmm. then love can really only go one direction, which is more towards more love. Well, absolutely. And the other thing is humanity didn't come this far just to come this far. Ah, I know, right? We didn't. We didn't. And there are, <laughs> there are lines of souls waiting to get their chance at planet Earth. Really? So you need to look around you and you need to realize everyone here was, there's no mistakes. Everyone that is here at this moment was chosen to be here at this moment in time. It wasn't like, oops, we just sent one to planet Earth. We need to call them back. That's not how that works. There are lines of souls because this is leading edge evolution for the whole universe what is happening on planet earth right now so even though in some ways we're the cavemen we also have more free will more conflict more things to learn and grow from than any other place in the universe what about our manifestation ability that seems very uh uniquely human our ability to use our environment even ethereal things to create something from nothing yeah, I think it's a soul ability. So I think that there are many like Pleiadians and other other ETs on other planets that have completely mastered that. And humans are just starting to tap back into that. Again. So we have a beautiful destiny. We will shake off the evil, the negativity that we see in the world around us. We just happen to be manifesting here at this point. 
Well, yeah. And think about which, what energy do you want to feed? Do you want to fear the feed the fear and control, or do you want to feed the light and enlightenment? Yes. Um, and so, so that's kind of one of the things, where do you put your focus? Your, your focus on the thoughts in your mind, your focus is literally energy and it will feed into one consciousness or the other. So the more that we feed into that higher frequency, that heaven on earth, that's what's going to bring it into form. Absolutely. And the more people choose to feed into the control and fear, that gives that more power. So you actually uh. have a huge choice. Um, and it is a choice. There's your free will choice right there. Which energy do you want to feed? Yes. Which reality do you want to live in? If we're truly co-creating our reality, as we often say as spiritual people, we create our own reality and then we co-create our own reality. Why not make the best possible place we can make? Why not make this place incredible? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> wow. Well, we've had such an incredible conversation. Speaking of incredible, our energy is just perfect. Our rhythm. I, I very much enjoy talking to you. We could probably oh, go too. on for hours, but we'll have you back. You'll come on a different time. We'll talk again about these wonderful things, but yes. I do want to tell people where to find you. Uh, your website is michelleclaire.net. And I'm going to spell that M I C H E L L E C L A R E michelleclaire.net. You can go there. She's got a lot going on. She's got services that she offers. If you want to get uh, reading. If you want to have mediumship with her yourself, she offers that. You can book a reading. Spiritual coaching, she offers. Healing energy work. You know, if you're hearing about these near death experiences, maybe you had one yourself. Understanding NDEs, home clearing, remote viewing, creating a sacred space in your home. Here are some of the things that she offers on her site. And she has a Wisdom Within membership program. It gives you access to Michelle Monthly with different tiers. Definitely check that out. And she's also going to be appearing at uh, some online events in July and in August. Check her website. It's all there. And there's a conference coming up, Helping Parents Heal and the INS, I-A-N-D-S conference in Arizona. It'll be in Salt Lake City. Oh, excuse I'll me. be there. Yes, in Salt Lake City, I-A-N-D-S in Salt Lake City. Michelle will be there. You can go meet her personally. And she, there's other things. She's also, this is what I'm saying. She's all over the place. She's also the co-host of a radio show, Supernatural Girls with a Z, the girl, G-I-R-L-Z, supernaturalgirls.com. Check that out. I'm sure it's amazing. I'm, I'm going to be a new fan. And Michelle, before we go, thank you for being here, by the way. And thank you so much. It, I've had a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. Yeah, it's been great. And is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with? Any parting words before we go here? Yes, they always have the opportunity to see how they want to view a situation. That's where their power is. So your power is in how you choose to view things. And the more open-minded you can be, the easier it is to connect with spirit. Oh, well, there you go. See, just keep that mind open, raise your frequency, and then the higher frequency information comes in. It's all right there, people. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Please hold through the outro music 
everyone. Incredible episode. What a good one. Legendary. I'm loving it. And we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.